This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello, Ian. Hello, Ian. Hello, Eric. (laughs) That got it off to a good start, didn't it? It did. That was nice, nice and breezy. Yes, here we are. We're back in season one, nice and breezy. Season one. Yeah, yes. the good, the welcoming arms of season one. And very early. This is only the yes. seventh ever story in Blake Seven. Isn't it, it is. It's um, it's before they'd sort of, I think, nailed down the formula because it's it's a weird little episode. This isn't it. It's it doesn't doesn't sort of fit with anything else in season one. It is very odd, and it's yeah. also it's placing because you know just. Just before this, we had um, Seek, Locate, Destroy, the very first Travis story. Straight after this, we've got Duel. So, you know, it sits between these two Travis-centric yeah. stories, and you have this little oddity between the two, a little breathing space of a story. And it is it is odd, isn't it? It's a peculiar little story. And um, I think it's also like next week's story we're going to be doing, Horizon. It's one of those stories I tend to forget because... Of course, they were never repeated. They were never on those anthology videos that were put out. And I don't recall at the time, early early fanzines didn't really talk about this story at all. No, because I think it's like you say, it's slap bang in the middle of a uh, an action-packed Travis arc. Um, you could cut it out without really losing anything storyline-wise for the sort of the overall story of Blake Seven. Um, it It's weird in its... It does... It, I like it. I like the story, and I think it fleshes out a bigger universe. And I like these weird little one-off stories where it's almost a, a day in the life of mm. style. I know it's a murder mystery, but there's, it's almost like a day in the life style. So they're not worrying about the Federation. It's like these sort of these. If if Blake Seven was real, these sort of little things must have happened a lot more than big battles with the Federation. You would yeah, think. I, I like um, the way they just. But yeah, I like it. It's it. also it. Yeah. Yeah, you... I like I like that that they just run across it. It's like, oh, okay, let's see if we can help, sort of thing. Um, it's also nice that it's a it's almost a, a collection of Terry tropes from Terry Nation, <laughs> isn't it? It's you can you can tick off the Terryisms as they appear in this episode, um, but it holds up. The story is still okay. Yeah, I do. I, I, I it's a bit like the web. They stumble onto this. Um, they're not being pursued by anyone. They're not, you know, on a mission to do something. It just happens. And I also think it's very much like a Doctor Who story. This is, isn't it? Yes. You know, this is very, very Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, we said this on a couple of episodes where you could almost put the Doctor in instead of Blake. Um, and this, yeah, this is very much when it could have been the TARDIS lands on the ship. Yeah. Everyone's unconscious. There's a mystery. Yeah, it wouldn't. Wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have had to change a lot of details. On no, it. no. But in this one, um, the Doctor would be Avon. The date Doctor yes, wouldn't be yes. Blake in this one. This is yeah, definitely doc- Avon is the Doctor. Yeah, and Romana or Leela as Callie, and mm-hmm. there you are. You've got perhaps it was. I mean, perhaps it was a, a a failed Doctor Who script that Terry 
he was renowned for not wasting anything. <laughs> so perhaps he had it, you know, and he thought, oh, I, I can use this finally. Yeah. And it looks very Doctor Who. I mean, we've got this spaceship, you know, the Ortega. Um, we open on the Ortega. That's a very strange Starfield uh, effect going on behind it. It's going across the screen and the stars are almost like, you know, blurred into the distance, almost like a hyperspace yeah, sort of it's, effect. It's a bit odd. Yeah, it's nice It's nice that it's a new shot, So especially that shot where the Liberator is coming towards it. And it's because you see the graphic, the the graphic they use a, a lot of a ship circling, and I presume it was made for this one, and they just used it a lot in other episodes. Mm -hmm. And then you see the, the 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 actual ship, and it's circling exactly the same. And it was like that's a lovely little touch, yes. Because normally yes. the graphics don't match the ships at all. And yeah. it was a <coughs> Star Drive uh, of ship, but quite nice. Mm. Yeah, no, I don't know if you know, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you know, but yeah, the Ortega, it's uh, that was built by Martin Bauer, our friend Martin oh, right. Bauer. Yeah, it looks uh, like one of his. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and uh, it uses quite a bit of Saturn V parts for the rear yeah. section, which you don't really see. Um, but uh, the, the, those ball things, you know, it's made yeah. up of a series of balls within a very eagle-style girder thing. Uh, they're actually perfume bottles from the oh, 1970s. Right. Um, which are almost impossible to get now. So, you know, it, it makes anybody who wants to do a studio-scale yeah. recreation, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. You've got to use, like, EMA hemispheres or something like yeah. that. But it was nice... Um, it's nice that, we're still again, we're still early in the series where they're putting some money up on screen. Because la later on, you would have just got a blob. You'd never see the ship, or no. you, it would have been a bit of stock footage, or... It, yeah, it... And the, the interiors are, although they're very, very basic, it's not a well-detailed interior of the ship. And there's a, I noticed there's a lot of, um, lot of uh, panels and sets from the London yeah. <laughs> reused. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the cockpit and the computer room is the uh, engine room. And, mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's sort of, if you can get past the cheapness that it looks inside, it's quite a large ship. It's quite well done. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It's very um, 70s Doctor Who. Again, oh, very you know, much, the yeah. corridors, the doors, yep. you know, that flight deck is a very Doctor Who 70s very Doctor uh, um, spaceship. And the, and the outfits, the, uh, yep. the, 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 the these Ortegans, I suppose you would call them. Yeah, with yep. their, their, their big collars. Yeah, all very 70s Doctor Who, yeah. And it's nice that this is still the sort of still in the realistic Blake 7 universe where money is a thing and there's yes. you know it's not just all good bad ideologies and that it's people have got different motives it's mm. yeah it's, it's refreshing it's a little palate cleanser between the we've, big stories we've said this haven't yeah. we about when we go back to season one it's very uh it's very much a, refreshing yeah. yeah and on that flight deck you, deck you got the pilot rafford um yep. played by brian capron who yes. I, I remember from Grange Hill. That's right, yep. And yeah. Coronation Street. So I never watched Coronation Street, but I remember him as the as the nice teacher yes. in Grange Hill. He was always the teacher that the kids could go to, and you, he, he was fair. Hmm. He's rare in that, you know, he's a character from Blake 7 who I remember in a different role rather than him being in Blake 7. He's the opposite, yeah. But um, he, he gives this log entry and yep. then uses what looks like a flatbed scanner to do something, but this big chunky box, box which is going to prove to be vital, of course, later on. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's a big clue. It is a big clue straight there as well. And uh, we have a 
POV of someone approaching the flight deck door, that very regular 70s door and door yeah. handle. Um, and whoever it is attacks and kills him before smashing the controls. So here we go. We're off now. We've got the mystery starting. All what is going on. Um, and we've got the Liberator next. Uh, flying through space with no stars and the engine balls not turned on. I don't know if that's just like an outtake and they didn't have anything ready, but uh, it looks a bit odd to have no stars in space and the engine switched off. There it is, look. Circling every two minutes. When did you pick it up? Just before I called you. Circling all the time? Yes. Zen says it's a Mark III Galaxy-class cruiser. Galaxy-class? That's out of planets manufacture, isn't it? Right. But Mark III went out of production at least 50 years ago. Can you get any signals from her? Nope. She's as quiet as the grave. Problem with the guidance control system. That ship's in trouble. It's the only thing that makes any sense. Do you think so? Mm. All right, we'd better take a look at her. Zen, abort course programs. Take us into 200 spatials and match vectors. Confirmed. I want everything in the data banks concerning galaxy-class cruisers. Complete data is extensive. Good. How long before we're in teleport range? That will depend on speed as yet unspecified. Standard by four? 16.140901 minutes. Approximately speaking, of course. It is estimated that you will require 128 hours to assimilate all available data on Galaxy-class cruisers. Mark III? Yeah, it's sort of drifting almost, isn't it? It looks mm. like. Yeah. Uh, and Jenna has spotted uh, the ship. And Blake is there as well. He's in his little ring-lit Robin Hood outfit, yeah, he's isn't in his, he? he's in his... Uh... Well, isn't it weird, though, that he's in a Robin Hood outfit and it suits him, but Tarrant's Robin Hood outfit just looks pantomime-ish. It does. No, it does. It really does suit Gareth yeah. Thomas. That's my... Look, when I know. think of... If I don't think of him in his anorak, that's what I think of him is in that, like, like you say, the, the ringlet sleeve shirt. Mm. It looks well made, doesn't it? It, it does, it, yeah. It's, it's not like a bit, bit of old tat, yeah. No, a bit, a bit of uh, effort and money went into that. No, I really like it. I don't like Jenna's with her petal padding. no. She's got petal padding all over her shoulders. I don't, Gen I don't know what that's Jenna all about. Never got, she never got uh, clothing to match what her character was meant to be. She was meant no. to be this hardened space pirate. Yeah. And she dressed like someone that worked on the perfume counter at Debenhams, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. But she is great here. I like the chemistry between the two actors here. Yeah. And, and, and she's a serious pilot here, you know. Yeah. She, she knows she's her She's studying stuff. it and she knows her stuff. That is the smuggler pilot, you know, that we were introduced to at the beginning of the story. Um, but, yeah, she's starting to get into her flouncy blouses now. Yeah. Uh, Felicity Kendall. Yeah. You know, oh, dear. Um, she says that the ship is on a circular course. I mean, they're looking at it. Uh, it's fairly obvious, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, uh, which completes a circuit every two minutes. No, it doesn't. When no. you look at that, it, it does it in about 45 seconds, actually. So that doesn't exactly uh, uh, line up. Um and she says it's a Mark III Galaxy-class cruiser, which was yeah. built in the Outer Worlds. Very Blade Runner to have the Outer Worlds mentioned. The Outer like Worlds, that. yeah. The Outer Worlds. So when, when she said it's Galaxy, you know, when she said it's Galaxy-class, so I immediately thought of uh, Picard's Enterprise. Oh. And I yeah. thought, oh, we're going to see the Enterprise. <laughs> no. 
We do but see the, a bald guy, though. We oh, do oh, see yeah. a bald guy. But this is, of course, before Next Generation. Yeah, well so you before. had Galaxy-class yeah. cruisers before Next yeah. Generation. Um, and again, Jenna knows her stuff. She feels that the ship's in trouble. It's like a seasoned pilot's instinct, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I imagine, you know, unlike, you know, there's no roundabouts in space. So if you're circling like that, something's up. Yeah. And <laughs> roundabouts in space. Uh, Blake, of course, being Blake, he says they'll take a look. He, he, he's never one to pass up a, a, an investigation and uh, and get Zen to take them in close. And I like Zen here. He's nice and uppity because he tells them they haven't specified a speed, so he can't tell them how long and it'll take. And he's dead he right, there. though. He's yeah. dead right, Zen. I agree yeah. with him here. Yeah. And I like I like it. All, all this is unnecessary because, you know, Blake says, I want all the information on a Mark III. Uh, cruiser and Zen says, "Oh, it'll take you know 180 hours." And Blake goes, "Mark three <laughs> Yeah, like that. I like the way they're playing it. Yeah. Well, this is yeah, like you say, this is this is all character stuff. There's no real need for any of this, but it fleshes out the characters, the universe, the world. And how many times have we seen on programs like Star Trek where they'll say, uh, "Tell me everything about such and such," and the computer will spout the exact bit of information mm. that they need to do it. This was brilliant. Where yeah, Blake. Blase says, "Tell me everything you can about it," and of course, that's far too much because yeah. everything that Zen knows would go down to what rivets, what yeah. when it was made, you know, who did it, and yeah, I th I just think it's really nice and it's realistic and it just fleshes everything out. Yeah, compare yeah. this to we discussed a couple of weeks back, Sand, which at no point is any do you believe that these people are doing this, that this is a life yeah. that they have lives outside of this scene. But with this, back to season one, you believe these are real people. You believe that this is what they're doing and that this happens a lot. And yeah. yeah, it's just it's nicely written. I don't know why it's popped into my head, but my word for watching this is comfortable. I feel yeah. comfortable watching this because everything is right. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I don't have questions. I don't. I'm not annoyed by anything. Yeah, I don't, you don't regret anything. You don't have to keep making exceptions for everything and explaining to yourself oh the, the reason they did that is this everyone acts logically and yeah. according to their character i do have a question though and uh, i put this question once on on the other uh blake seven facebook page we do which is the crafts and weaponry one which is when that liberator when the liberator turns round to change course you see a nice close-up of, of, of the yeah. prow of it looking back. What is that silver thing? Did you spot it? There's a little silver thing in the uh, fins. You know, the fins that go round oh, there. Right. Yeah, there is a little silver thing pointing out at like a 45-degree angle. And oh, I've never been able is. to understand what that is. I don't think it's anything to do with, you know, the practicality of filming the model. It's not a wire or anything because this is the big three-foot model and they yeah. didn't hang it on wires. But there is a little silver detail grommet sort of thing stuck in those fin things those rib things and i oh, yeah. I, I don't know what it is so any, anybody oh, listening to this yeah. if you know what it is can you go onto facebook and tell us just what it is please I wonder right. if it, perhaps it was something left over from if perhaps they did an explosion shot or something or it no, I, I, i've seen it more than once but oh. of course the reason I've seen it more than once is this shot. The shot it, gets it, used it, more than it, once. It gets yeah. used a lot, yes. But I think this is the first time yeah. we've ever encountered it while be do, doing this podcast. So if anybody out there knows what it is, uh, yeah, I'd love to know what it is. All right. So um, we go, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we get that nice shot of the Liberator approaching yeah, the Ortega. Which yeah. is a new shot. It's really nice. Brand new shot. And that looks really nice. But on the flight it, deck. 
it's nice though as well that <coughs> they're not approaching each other on the horizontal plane. No, no, this is good. Which is what you always get in Star Trek. All ships meet each other at the same orientation. Yes. This is yeah. This is as if the Liberator's coming in from above it, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, no, really nice, really nice. We go inside, and on the flight deck, Villa's not happy. According to the data banks, Galaxy-class cruisers are fitted with communicators. See if you can raise a voice contact, will you, Kai? I don't like this. That's unusual. Mock if you like, but I can always sense danger. Yes, even when there isn't any. Scan doesn't show any modifications. I think it's just what it seems to be. An obsolete civilian cruiser. Any luck, Kelly? No response on any channel. All right, I'm going across. Will you come with me, Evan? Kelly? Villa? You don't need me to come over. No, I need you to work the teleport. Right. Zen, take us into 100 specials and hold. Confirm. And uh, we've got Avon now. He's there. He's got that cartridge player thing on his chest again. Yes, yeah, he's got, it. he's got it. I quite like it. It's grown on me now. Yeah, no, I, I like it. It's much better than that one that he was wearing in sand. Um, yes, yes, oh, God. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Silver and black just don't really suit him, do they? I think no. he much prefers these these sort of more earth tone colours. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about that when we get to uh, Terminal, because he, 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 he's all Silver and black, and Blake as well in those yeah. episodes, um, and plus studs. Um, well, he, Blake, and Callie teleport over to the Ortega. They're in some sort of a lounge or something. I don't know why a uh, a spaceship would have a lounge, but there you go. Well, if you're, I mean, these are, I mean, this ship is meant to be fifth. Last time it was built was what fifty years ago, they say. Fifty years, and before, it's obsolete. Yeah. And it's also they're talking about it traveling at sub light speeds because the the, the driver's gone. So I yeah I I can see that if you you, you would build a, a lounge in a spaceship or a, a recreation area. I mean that's that's like something that the Scorpio never had, isn't it? It's like you well, you're going to want somewhere to go and sit and have a cup of coffee or something like that. You know? Well, Scorpio had nothing. We had the had flight nothing, deck yeah. and we had a hold, but we never saw their crew quarters or anything, no. did we? I mean, we don't even know if they existed. They might perhaps they slept in those uh, in those old um, chair those things. Cha- yeah, we don't. No, know. they were car seats. Your, yeah. your brother had one. Yeah, exactly. They? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were. They were just car seats. Um, the other thing I, I absolutely well, there's two things. One thing I absolutely loved, and one thing I went, I sort of thought, uh, but they're not the the only ones that suffer from this. So they they teleport over and but don't bother checking the air, which is lucky that there's some air about. But then a they they're talking discussing the air, and Blake says there's a weird smell, mm. and Avon makes the the point that is is so logical and realistic, but no one ever brings up is that. Of course, it's going to smell different. It's using different air through a different filtration plant. Yeah, we've just they, moved from one ship to yeah, another instantaneously. Exactly, and they never really bring this up on any show. Like Star Trek, never does the fact that when you transport or teleport, you should get this change in gravity, change in air, change heat. in smells, heat. Yeah. Um, and it's nice that they brought it up. I thought it was really a, a good touch. I know it's part of the plot. Yes, but it again. It just fleshes out this universe as being quite realistic. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, um, at that moment we're back that, to quality, aren't we? We are we're back we are. to quality. Yeah. Um, Callie finds a space condition report. Yes. Do you think that goes on the that list? That goes on the list. Yep. Yeah. Guarantee. Okay. Yeah. Any. This is a. T- this is pure Terry Nation. It is. It's all going on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so they split up. Um, Avon's got to go to the stern, and Blake and Callie go towards the flight deck. 
and uh, on their way they find two unconscious people in a cabin. The, The problem I've got with this story is the characters' names aren't mentioned enough. And I keep forgetting what all their names are. It's yeah, like... they do. I mean, they, men- they mention them a bit. But yeah, it's difficult to, to pin the names. The only one, for obvious reasons, they keep saying her name is Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, which but makes what, sense. What's the other woman called? I don't know. I no, forgot. I've forgotten. I didn't write it down, so I don't know. They say what her was, name. Yeah, what was weird is that Blake, Blake goes to check on her. And he checks on her by feeling up her breasts. <laughs> which is, it's like, that's a weird, what's he feeling for there? Maybe Ortegans have... Oh, no, he doesn't know that from Ortega. Well, we don't know, yeah, no. No, no, right, It's okay. the 70s, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but know. while he's doing that, um, uh, Gareth Thomas is very good at conveying drowsiness. Yes, yeah. You know, he's... He, he's really good. He's not overplaying it. He's not overacting. Yeah. He's quite subtle in doing it. And in the background, Callie's you nodded could, off. You could almost... Yeah, you, you could almost believe that Gareth Thomas is just bored with the scene. You know, when he comes <laughs> in and he yawns. And if you, if you didn't know the story, you'd go... Well, why didn't they cut that out? (laughs) The actor's visibly bored. (laughs) No, it's good. And as I say, Callie's nodded off and he notices and he goes to wake her up. And I love her telepathic alone, you know, to Blake. And and he just nods and goes, yes, yes. And he knows. He he knows she's conflicted, you know. She's separate from her race, you know. Um, And it's at that point when he realises it's something called sono-vapour. This is very yeah, Terry Nation as well, vapor. isn't it? It, it, it? That that's a very Terry Nation uh, oh, word, a solar yes. vapor. That's 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 Pierre Uncle Terry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of them in this. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, he turns the air conditioning off and uh, goes off to find the plant where it's being controlled. Uh, Callie finds the pilot dead, who, who seems to be dead standing up behind the door. Yeah, he. I'm presuming he what they. When they bashed him, or when when the murderer bashed him, um, he obviously wasn't quite dead, and he managed to make his way to the door, and then died standing up. He was only slightly dead. That's all I can. Yeah, he was only slightly dead. Maybe there was a a a coat hook, and one of those huge great um, collar things hooked onto that, and he was being held up by that until she opened the door, and that's when he fell over. Well, with yeah, because the collars are huge, so perhaps there was like a a heating vent by the door and the updraft, the the thermals, caught his collar, kept him aloft. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, could be, could be. But anyway, he goes over, he falls down. Uh, We go on to film now. Uh, Oh, isn't it? Grainy. It's very grainy. But but why? Why are they filming on film when they reach the plant room? I don't understand the necessity for it. Well, I was thinking, yeah, I was trying to work this out because normally... When you go on to film, it's because you've got some effects. So, like later on, they're on film, and it's the the because that spark in yes. electrical wire. Um, so, I I don't know. Perhaps they because the way the BBC used to do it, they would allocate um, outside broadcast days, location days, and studio days. And if you went to to film at like Ealing or something like that, that was a, an outside broadcast day. So, I wonder if it purely was that. Because there wasn't any real uh, location filming for this, they just decided to film some scenes at Elin and struck the sets there instead. Because mm. there's no effects on it, is there? There's no, there's no fire, there's no flames, no, there's no it, water. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. But uh, it's at this point we also find out that Avon has knowledge of air conditioning systems. 
You know, this uh, computer person. Yeah. It, his knowledge is extensive about so many things. We've got he, two instances in this story. Yeah, he is that that person that everyone sort of meets down the pub or knows where whatever subject you bring up, he knows about and will tell you about it, isn't he? He's uh, he's the pub know-it-all. We've met people like that at modelling conventions. We have we? indeed. We have indeed. <laughs> yes. Okay. They find a cylinder of sono vapor attached to the primary feed, yes. and that, that they're kind of puzzled as it's almost empty. Um, at which point, everyone would just wake back uh, up again. Um, yeah, this is another Terry Nation sort of trope, isn't it? Of he likes thing, he likes gas through air vents. He uses yeah. that a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. So they've done that, and then they go back up to the flight deck. Yeah, and, uh, which is the London, isn't it? The flight deck it is, is just the yes. redress London flight yeah. deck. So I was looking at it and going, those panels are so familiar. So I got up a few photos on my phone while I was watching it. It was like, some of them they've turned sideways, but no, that's the London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Callie has found this flatbed scanner, and it looks like it has the numbers 54124 four written yeah. on it in Can blood. I can I just say, I won't spoil the shock ending for anyone that hasn't seen this, but uh, Anne was watching this with me, and she got it straight away. So as soon as as soon as they say something later on, the first time they say that word, she went, well, that's what's written on the, the board. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. I must admit, I didn't. The first time I saw this uh, on VHS, so I saw it when it was on its original run. Don't remember it at all. So then no, when it was on VHS again, it comes as a bit of a shock because you're you're thinking, oh, it must be another big Travis episode, and then you get this. And I didn't twig it, and I thought it was quite clever, hmm. but yeah, and got it straight away. So <laughs> it is clever, but we'll talk about yeah. it shortly. About you know the the, the resolution of it is yeah. just bloody stupid. But we get screams from outside. Oh, it's awful scream, isn't it? It's, it is. It's it, not a good scream. It's worthy of assassin, that scream. Yes, it is. Mm. And uh, all the crew are awake now, uh, but they don't remember anything. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just don't know. I haven't any answers to your questions. All I remember was I went to my quarters and fell asleep in a chair. At least that's what I was when I woke up a few minutes ago and found all this going on. Yes, I know exactly how you feel. Well, just relax and try to remember. Where were the rest of you when all this was going on? What gives you the right to ask? You need our help. Do we? We do. I was off duty. I share quarters with Pasco. We were both there. Routine rest period. And your name? Sonheim. We must have slept through it all, as Dr. Kendall did. You? I was in the communication centre, trying to make repairs. I remember feeling very drowsy. That's about all. And my name's Grovane. That's all. Mandarin and I were together. The first thing I knew was when I came out into the corridor and saw Rafford. And you? I'm called Levitt. Did you see or hear anything? I was asleep in my quarters. Would anybody else have seen you there? Why should anyone else bother? All right, there's no need for that. There are worse things than being alone, Sondheim. Being with you is one of them. We're getting away from the point a little, aren't we? You were all mocked out by Sona Vapor. Now, sometime in the last 12 hours, your pilot was murdered. And what a motley crew it is, isn't it? It Jeez. is, and as I say, it, it is yeah. odd in that I don't remember their names, and... They, yeah, it is a motley crew. Uh, they, um, 
Yeah. The the only the only one whose name I I remember is is someone that isn't there, which is Dortmund, and that's Dortmund. only because that's another Terry Nation favourite name, isn't it? Yeah. He uses that name a few times. Yeah, Dortmund and Kendall, our character who's Kendall, coming up yes, in a minute. Yeah. Ken, Kendall and Dortmund are the only t- and Sarah are the only ones I remember. Um, and Blake says that sometime in the last twelve hours, Rafford was murdered. Um, and that's also yeah. They find that the flight yeah. engineer called Dortmund is missing. Um, Avon reckons that the damage was done to keep the ship on a circular course, and the communications were destroyed to stop calling for help. Um, and they've got no visual, outside visual, because the Ison crystal, another Terry, oh, yeah, is broken. Crystal. Yeah, yeah, yep. And they also you're find. You're... Sorry, During Terry. So at some point, Terry in his life had problems with crystals, didn't he? So it must have done. He's, he's every, every, all his problems stem from crystals letting him down. Do you think he watched Crystal Tips and Alistair and got freaked out by it? Ah, ever since then, could Crystal, be. It might have crystal scared was, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crystal is scary. Yeah. Uh, they also find out that one of the life rockets had been launched. Uh, so they assume that Dortmund is the murderer, and he would have legged it. And it's like, but why? Why? Why would he? Um, you know, send us all to sleep and leg it. What is the reason? And that's Kendall, our character, who who is the leader here. All of a sudden, panics and rushes off yeah. to his room or a room. Uh, but he's relieved to find that the contents of a box are safe. Now that that safe he keeps the box in, that was so familiar, and I couldn't. I tried desperately trying to work out where I send that bit of prop before you know oh, the, really? the silver surround with the panel that's like i've seen it before somewhere recently and it was like ah oh, that must have survived or was used in another program but i couldn't another so if anyone blake knows, seven if anyone recognizes or, or, that panel what do you reckon it's another blake seven no or is it on, another on something who? else yeah like doctor who or something like that um it's just it was so immediately my brain went i know that oh do you think rather than it being a bespoke made thing, it, it could be I, a, yeah. a readily available thing and therefore it could have turned up on an ITV could, program or something? Yeah, I think it's either that. Yeah, it's either, it's either that that it was just something they disguised or it is was a prop they just, you know, took out of storage and then put back in and something else used it. Right. But yeah, so, so familiar. Okay, all right. Well, the contents of the box are an energy refractor, a neutrotope. For a moment, I thought Dortmund might have taken this. If he had, everything that has happened would have made sense. But it's here. It had to be, of course. It's impossible to open the safe without a molecular key and combination, and I'm the only one on the ship who has those. Well, what is it? It's an energy refractor, a neutrotope. What does it do? I'll explain. I and my crew come from destiny, way out here on the edge of the galaxy. Yes, I've heard of that. It was colonized, what, about a hundred years ago? That's right. But you're still not members of the Federation. They've approached us, threatened, but we've resisted so far. Ours is an agricultural economy. We have a small fleet of mercantile ships to trade with our nearest neighbors. Our people live well, but simply. At least they did. For what how? Towards the end of the last growing season, just as the main crop was coming into maturity, Reports came in that the plants were dying, wilting and dying. It spread across both our continents with incredible speed. We estimated that in under a year there would be no living vegetation left on the planet. But did you isolate the cause? It was a fungal disease. Identifying it was one thing, but destroying it. It was resistant to everything. 
In under three months, half the planet was buried in a covering of slimy white fungus. The stench was vile and it was still spreading. And you think this, uh, neutrotope provide the answer? My experiment showed that radiation from our sun was deficient in certain specific wavelengths. The neutrotope will provide the necessary frequencies to kill the fungus. But you mount this in a satellite to be activated by your sun. That's right. Hmm. We've calculated the orbital pattern required to maintain a balance and save our planet. Impressive. Yes, this has cost us, well, let's say it's bankrupted our economy and mortgaged our future. Why so much? The yield from the ore containing the element is minute. This neutrotope and the few others that exist are the most valuable objects in our galaxy. Yes, well, I can see why you were concerned that Dortmund might have taken it. Yes, it's enough to tempt anyone. <laughs> there are men who would betray their companions for a lot less. What a very cynical thought, Doctor. Um, and that's yeah. when we find out from Kendall that they're from the planet Destiny. Um, I've been calling them Ortegans. They can't be Ortegans. No, Ortegans the ship is, is the Ortegans. The shop is, oh, what are they? Destinations? What are they? Ah, oh, they're Terry Nations. No, they're Destinations, yeah. Destinations, yes, they're, they're Destinations. Destinians. A, Destinians. Yeah, that sounds That's very good. Terry like Nation that, yeah. as well. Destinians, yes. Um, it seems it's an agricultural world, isn't it? They're a planet yeah, of farmers. In, again, this is, this is nice that it's not your normal story because your normal story would be it would be a, some sort of crystal that's vital for the energy production blah blah blah, blah. and this is yeah it's a, 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 a agrarian type society farmers they they just want to get their crops their crops have have got a fungus on it, it it's yeah. so so non-important as far as sci-fi no. but it, it's really nice it's, it i i like i like the the story on this though this, if anything, is this concern that they have. This is like little little house on the prairie. Yeah, type yeah, thing, can, isn't it? <laughs> you could imagine it was like uh, you know you it wouldn't take that that much to have it on the wagon train and you know Marshall Dillon is Blake yeah. and yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's a good uh, a good one. Um, what the cat's just attacking me. Um, one thing that I I liked as well. I, I'm not sure whether we've got to it in the story, but I wrote it in my notes is when Blake's talking about talking to the the captain. And he's, he says about his people, my people as the mm. crew. And it's like, he's so possessive, isn't he? he Later is. on, when like in, in Gold, when um, Avon discusses the crew, it's like, they're not my crew, they're just a, a loose collection of people that yeah. travel with me. It's so different from Blake's yeah. attitude. It is, it is. Um, also here we find out that this planet Destiny was uh, colonised 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, and they're struggling to stay apart from the Federation. Again, this is early Blake Seven. Yeah. The Federation aren't the Empire of Star Wars, where they just come in and just take over planets. It, it, it's still a political thing of negotiation. You know, they're, they're resisting attempts yeah. to be uh, controlled by the Federation. Yeah, they 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 put political pressure on. They don't just send troops in and overrun them. And it's, I much prefer this. This is yeah. so much more yeah. believable. You said earlier, yeah, half the planet is covered by fungus. And Uncle Terry again. They need radiation. Yes, radiation. That's, tick that off the Terry here uh, trope meter. Yeah, they need radiation that's missing from their sun to kill it. I'll tell you what I thought at this point. Do you? Think, yeah, he. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say. Um, do you think you know? It's very convenient. This fungus 
has come along. It's not the Federation. Do you think that fungus was actually created by the Federation? That, you know, they would get into so much trouble, they would call to the Federation and say, oh, can you help us out? A bit like what happened in Bounty with yeah. Sarkov's plan. I think, I mean, it's nice that you can think that and it would fit in, but they don't lay it on. It's not, I mean, if this was season three or four, at the end of this episode, the ship would appear to pick up and it would be Serverland trundles off. Yeah to pick it up and it would all have to be t- it's nice that yeah the, I when I was watching it I thought I wonder if that's a federation plot and I thought it doesn't really matter mm. because it, like it's that. not yeah I do like that I think that's it, again it's nothing you don't have to have it all spelled out and it doesn't all have to be linked yeah and it makes the it makes the universe seem so much bigger yeah another uncle terry uh trope is the fact that he doesn't really grasp you know uh, spatial things in that Kendall no. says it's the most valuable thing in our galaxy. Yeah. No, you mean your solar system. It can't exactly, be yeah. our galaxy. That you mean the galaxy, the Milky Way that everybody is in. You know. Yeah. It's. Uh, it. It may. It may not even be the most valuable thing in their solar system, depending on if there's other planets that are inhabited on that so yes. It's the most important thing for their planet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. Terry. He doesn't understand. Because they've got that tiny little element thing, and he says, "Oh, we'll launch this into the sun, and it will change the sun completely, and let the correct way." Hmm, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. That doesn't seem a lot of matter to inject into a sun, does it? Uh, no, no. It's at that point that Avon comes in, and he tells them that the ship has to travel at sublight speed. Yeah. Isn't he great in this scene? I love. He, he, I, he is he's brilliant. so good. He's brilliant throughout. Yeah, yes. uh, he, he would. He would make. Uh, he would make a great Sherlock Holmes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah especially very, especially very shortly when he's walking around with his hands behind his back. Yeah, very much so. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they've got to go at sublight speed, which is going to take forever. But the Liberator can make it in four days. Yeah, um, I tried working it out, but then I gave up as well. to what speed. They also say that it's without without the or traveling at sublight without the light drive, it's five months to that planet, and that sort of that sort of fits in time scale with. Um, with the London, the eight month the London took, yes, which yes. makes me think that the London was probably sublight. Hmm. Well, yeah, it, it most definitely is because you know there are scenes yeah. of the London going past planets and stuff, and surely you know if you're at yeah, that's true. Actually, the yeah, light, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you're in 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 Blake Seven's version of hyperspace, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, and warp drive and all this business. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Blake offers to take the Neutrotope back and yeah. leaves Avon and Callie as insurance. Callie's all up for it, and yeah. and I like Avon's all. Oh, thank you, Callie. <laughs> I don't understand in this bit. So I understand Blake saying, we'll leave these two crew members. Why does he then unbracelet them and disarm them? I, I think it's a, a, a trust thing to prove to Kendall that we're not robbing you. You know, yeah. um, you know if they haven't got their weapons, they Kendall can't does yeah, Kendall immediately trusts that they're not involved in it, doesn't he? So mm. when they're saying uh, one of you killed, no, no one. I thought they would bring up the the what do you mean one of you? One of us, surely, mm. and that it might have been one of Blake's crew. They never even that never crosses their mind, does it? That no, that Blake's not on the up and up. Do you think it's because he's so trustworthy? He looks trustworthy. Yeah, maybe Welshmen <laughs> don't lie. That's what it is. <laughs> A thought that occurred to me is, well, why didn't he just take all of them on the Liberator yeah, yeah. And, and, and all go there? But, of course, then you've got a murderer on board the Liberator then, haven't you? 
Yeah. But really? yeah, it it is. I mean, it's 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 done for plot points, but it yes. does make you make you think. Um, one other thing in my notes I've got here written, which is bizarre, it just says canine, and then an exclamation mark. <laughs> so I'm presuming this is when John Leeson first appears. Yes, of course. Yeah, we've got yeah. John Leeson in there as well. Yeah. Um, the destinations or whatever we decided to call them, uh, they vote for it. All are okay about it, apart yeah. from uh, that beardy bloke. Yes. Is it Mandrill or Mandrill? Mandrill. He's got uh, he's got villain written all over him, hasn't he? And he has. Every, every time you see him, it's like uh, villain music and the way they film it. They might as well have him twirling his moustache. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, we we were saying last week on Sand about the outfits were very Captain Kremen. His beard and hair, bit oh, curly yeah. beard and it hair, is very Kenny Everett. It's very Kenny Everett. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... And and the other guy you've got there is Sondheim, the guy in red. Yeah. And oh, to me, he is uh, one of Bob Hoskins' enforcers in the Long Good Friday, and I can't see him in anything oh, right. apart he's, from in the Long um, Good Friday. Yeah, he's a he's a bit of a. Um... I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust him. This no. guy in this. He's a bit, a bit, uh, a bit creepy, isn't he? Every, and the way he everything he's Callie in. And, yeah, he's the yeah. muscle. He's the bully boy. Yeah. He's the bouncer. You know. I mean, he's got a face for it, hasn't he? As well. Oh yeah, you know? he looks the part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I like this story in that you know. I mean, it's quite blatantly, quite you know, not very subtly set up that you're supposed to think that he's the bad guy, and he has got the face for it. But I like yeah. the fact that he's not. You know, he's a red herring, yeah. isn't he? He's but a red it's, it's herring quite... dressed in red. I was. I never he's, a red right. yeah, he's a literal red herring. <laughs> do you think I... that's? What, do you think that's what they did? Oh, he's I, a red I think... herring. Let's put him in red. Yeah, I think you might be right there. I think <laughs> that's the sort of thing TV people love to do, isn't it? It's little bits like that. I think you're probably right. It's interesting, this because when when I was watching it, part of me thought, oh, these are quite stock stereotype characters, and you're meant to. And I thought that's actually quite clever because. That's what they want you to do. It it really is a Agatha Christie uh, Agatha Christie mystery. Mm. Try saying that quickly, in space, um, and it's the same sort of setup that you get with uh, <coughs> pardon me with Agatha Christie stuff. That there's so many misdirections and yeah. it's got to be this guy. Oh no, they were actually and it's yeah, it's really nicely done. Um, we also in this scene get my favourite um, Cali Avon exchange. Mm. <laughs> you, you know the one I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they are that they are terrific. I'll tell you what you just reminded me of there when you when you said about Agatha Christie, you've got so many potential, you know, thingamajigs. A show on ITV, I think pretty much still was going at the time of this airing, was that John Pertwee oh, show, Who Done It. Yeah. Where you do have all these characters, they all have a motive, they are all suspects, and it's only at the very end you get, yep. you know, the reveal, don't you? Yeah, in fact, you I mean, I, we jokingly made several reference to it. It is Captain Zepp. This was what Cap anyone that doesn't remember Captain Zepp. It was a a children's program, a bit like a BBC version of Who Done It, where they would show you a space murder mystery mm. event, and then they had some kids on a panel in the studio, and they had to interview the the the, the suspects, the people that were acting in the the show, and then say what they think happened and then they would show and it yeah this this is very similar in layout isn't it to that do you think this actual story might have inspired captain z do you know what it wouldn't surprise me it fits I, time yeah. wise yeah you it could well be you know mm. if they if the bbc had some nice letters come in for this and they thought oh people seem to like murder mysteries in space could ching yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah could yeah, well yeah, be yeah. 
Well, it's at that point Sarah goes off to get the neutrotope, um, while Captain Kremen goes off in a huff. Um, Blake prepares to go, and Avon says he doesn't care what happens to the planet. He doesn't like a mystery, and he, wa he wants to stay just to find out what's going yeah. on. Which is, mm, I know it's it, it, it's a plot device, but that's not really an Avon thing. But I'm, no, I'm, that's a that's I'll a justification, it isn't it? That that's a face saving justification. I think mm. rather than Avon arguing out and knowing he would lose it with Blake, he's mm. it's a, it's a classic. Uh, I don't want to do this, but I'll say why I want to do it now. Yes. And that saves face. So I, I'll, I'll buy that, that Avon would say something like that to sort of to save face in front of Blake. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. Um, because that, after Blake's gone, he goes into full-on Poirot mode, doesn't yeah, he? Or, yeah, or, or Columbo or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. Columbo. Right, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You're quite sure about volunteering to stay. We must help these people. Must we? Personally, I don't care if the whole planet turns into a mushroom. I shall stay because I don't like an unsolved mystery. You don't think Dortmund and his life rocket are the answer? No. Why not? There's something else that has to happen before it all begins to come together. He, all of a sudden, he just starts <laughs> spouting his opinions. He doesn't believe Dortmund did it. And uh, then rather enigmatically says something else ha else has to happen before things come together. I don't know what he's talking about. He, 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 he assumes something else is going to happen. What's he talking about? What does he think well, is still going to happen? Do you know, do you know what? Um, Sherlock Holmes used to do this all the time to Watson. So Watson would say, what do you think's happening? And Holmes would say, I just need one more piece to fall into place and then I'll explain mm. it to you. Uh, and I always used to think that's that's Holmes uh, talking out of his ass. Mm. So whatever happens, he can go, aha, oh, that's exactly what I was as I expected. To. <laughs> yeah. And if nothing happens, he will go, ah, the absence of that happening yes. is the, yeah. And I, I thought that was from Avon that he, 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 cause he says, doesn't he? He says he suspects someone else. He says, but that's a gut feeling which goes against everything. And he, he sort of hopes he's wrong. Otherwise his gut feeling's right. So I yeah I I don't think he knows what's going on. Oh, I, I think he works it out later, but at this point I think yeah I think what he means is I the one thing that needs to happen for it to fall into place is he needs to work it out. Yeah, <laughs> you know. what anybody can say about that? Yeah. anything in your life you ah, can say it, that out. It makes you sound like you're in control, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we only need to score more goals in this game to win. Yeah, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I got it wrong because it's at this point that's when Sarah comes in with the case, and oh, that's yes, when yeah. Blake goes back, and then we have that lovely exchange between um, Avon and Callie yeah. about you know Callie saying a man who trusts can never be betrayed, only mistaken, and Avon says about your life expectancy must be fairly low among your people, you know. I'd like that. I like yeah. that line, which is brilliant. And I never, I never really understood when I was younger. I never really understood that phrase from Callie. I mean, I understand it now, but. It, it was like part of me was saying, "Well, it's the same thing, and mm. you know what she's saying." But uh, it's it's really nice, and again, Callie is excellent in this episode. Yeah, she is. She is. Um, the Liberator nips off. That's a nifty yep. little uh, effect where you see it's just speeding off past yeah, the table nice. like that. But but they say go at standard by six. Why not faster? Yeah, yeah. Get back quicker. Yeah. You've just left two of your crew on a ship, and you know there's a murderer there. Well, yeah. no, 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 I'd at be this saying point, maximum no, speed. No, at this point, Blake still thinks it's Dortmund. 
doesn't he? He still thinks Dortmund well, is... Well, that's, I suppose, yeah. All right, okay. All right. Well, um, on the flight deck, Avon knows how to fix flight consoles now yeah. as well. I guess they are computer-controlled, so basically he's fixing a computer, so you, you can allow that. Um, yeah, ne next time you want like your car fixed, I'd invite the guy that fixes your DVD player around. Because <laughs> well, it's, that, it's that Terry Nation thing, isn't it? That all all equipment. If you're all a technology. scientist or a technician, yeah, you cover everything. Or a doctor will know everything. Um, TV shorthand, I suppose, isn't it? Really. <laughs> um, Callie is there, and she's still musing over these numbers on the scanner. And yeah. she notices the ventilator is turned off, and that's a clue, isn't it? There's a clue yes, right there. Clue. Yeah, and she goes off to get some equipment and is followed to the, this storage room by Sondheim. Um, she's got a very Liberator-style torch. I, I thought that. I'm sure we've seen that torch in the Liberator, because it uses a Liberator handgun back end. Yes. With, and I'm sure Blake uses that in I other th episodes. I think we do, yeah. yeah. But but the way this is portrayed, it's this is technology that was on the Ortega. Yeah. But it's more... Yeah, because I, I actually it? wrote that down. It's like, where did Cowley get the Liberator torch? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a bit silly. You know, she's going through those very cheap storage lockers and Dortmund's body just happens to be yeah, stacked this on the is, top. This is, uh, this is Slasher Movie 101, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, why, would you, why would you take the... And when we find out who it is... How did no she get way. it up there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, yeah. It's, it's mad. The body must have weighed twice what she weighed. Well, maybe um, not, because, of course, that's Stuart Fell up there, and he's quite a small guy. Oh, so maybe... do, you think, do you think Stuart Fell up there? <laughs> I like the phrase, Stuart Fell Fell. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I haven't got Can a imagine, it's like, it, it, Yeah, they must have rang, rang him up and said, Stuart, we've got a part for you. What is it? You're playing a man laying on some wardrobes. I'll do it. <laughs> can I fall yeah. off? You can. <laughs> Hooray, says Stuart. And he fell. Um, and, yeah, I don't like this bit when Sondheim comes in and he puts his hands up on her shoulders like that. You know, I think yeah. we're supposed to think, oh, dun, that's dun, the murderer dun. and he's going to kill yeah. Callie. But no, no, it's that, not. Yeah, that's quite... There's a, cu a couple of bits in this episode where they go for the cheap uh, space... or the cheap thriller in space style... Yeah thing and that's one of them and the music i must admit i'm not a great fan of the music in this episode because it's far too uh 1930s murder mystery yeah well that's um, what they're going for aren't yeah, they yeah yeah it, it is agatha christie yeah, yeah and it is 70s tv here we are you yeah. know in 2018 talking about it and things were different back then and we're yeah. looking at it with you and i are much older than we were then and, and styles and tastes change so uh in context i i think it's um, on par with anything else that you were watching at that time. Oh yeah, I mean you so, watch, yeah. you watch any of the uh, like the Agatha Christie's from that time, or um, like you say Columbo's things like that. Um, you wouldn't get away with them now. They, you know, you, it it would be seen as almost a, a police squad style Mickey take. Yes, because yes. They, all these things have become have become cliches because they were used a lot. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have a quite a lengthy clip now because uh, the next bits coming up is you've got Kendall and all the others and Avon's there in Columbo mo mode, yeah. walking around with his arms behind his back. Someone among us is determined that this mission should fail, and frankly, I can't even guess at a motive. Try greed; it's usually reliable. When you set out on your return journey, you were carrying something extremely valuable. As he said earlier, if the neutrotope could be sold. It would make a man wealthy beyond imagining. 
Well, it obviously wasn't beyond the imagination of someone here. I just meant that we were taking an enormous risk by entrusting it to a stranger. It never crossed my mind but that any of us... But it did cross your mind, didn't it? A temptation, you said. Even for those of us with our lives at stake. The value of the neutrotope is all the motive you need to look for. Now, I don't pretend to know the whole plan, but parts of it seem fairly clear. The damage to the communication center, that isolated the ship. You couldn't receive any messages, nor could you put out a distress call. I'm not sure when Dortmund was killed, but Callie thinks that the death of the pilot, Rafford, was an accident. What do you mean? An accident? A misfortune. It certainly was for him. I think that it was not part of the plan. Whoever put the sono vapor into the ventilation system intended to put the whole crew to sleep while the controls were being sabotaged. Rafford was supposed to be sleeping too. But the ventilator ducts on the flight deck were closed. Consequently, Rafford was unaffected by the gas. But the murderer was using an oxygen mask to stay awake. Reaching the flight deck and finding Rafford conscious must have been a shock. And that shock killed Rafford. The ventilator shouldn't have been closed. It's against flight operating procedure. The next shock was when we arrived. Now, that really was a misfortune. Pure bad luck. Rafford should have known better. Shut up, Pasco. Go on. Even the most meticulous of plans could not have anticipated our arrival. Meticulous? The murderer had to cover up, and quickly. Dortmund was killed. I think the plan was to put his body into the life rocket and launch it into space. That way it would appear obvious that Dortmund was guilty. So why didn't it happen? I think it was too difficult. Dragging the body across the spaceship to the launch area without being seen, that proved to be impossible, so the murderer settled for the next best thing. He launched an empty life rocket. And that worked. We all believed that Dortmund had escaped. But whoever did it must have known the body would be discovered sooner or later. Of course, he was playing for time. The plan had gone to pieces. The best the killer could hope for was to delay a full inquiry for as long as possible. As a matter of fact, I think that was a waste of effort. I know, we all know, that one of you is the murderer, by proving which one. Unless, of course, as seems quite likely, someone other than the murderer already knows... already knows. Naturally, the whole matter will be put into the hands of the authorities when we reach destiny. Despite what you say, Avon, the murderer will be found. In the meantime, you will all resume your normal duties, and anything that you see or hear that seems unusual, report to me at once. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, in detective uh, Spout in his views, and he knows the damage was deliberate. Yep. He's not sure when Dortmund was killed, and thinks that Rafford was uh, killed by accident. It, 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 it was a mistake. He was supposed to be asleep, wasn't he? Rafford was meant to be asleep on the flight de deck. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those ones where I I I, I do like watching murder mysteries, and I used to like watching Moss and stuff like that. But I'm useless at them because give me the same set of circumstances, and there's no way I come up with the what you know the actual the what happened mm. and i don't know how they get to to work this out but the, it must be that certain people's minds do work this way because a lot of people do work stuff out while watching these sort of things and i was like what what him what mm. how did they get there yeah 
Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so um, where did we get to? Yes. Oh, yeah, he says about, uh, you know, the murderer was supposed to have put Dortmund's body in the life rocket. Um, yeah, but, but it was too difficult. Yeah. But it was easy enough. It was easier to drag him to a storage locker and put him on top of it. See? Yeah. Right, okay, so if the Liberator hadn't arrived, yeah. okay, the murderer uh, wasn't asleep because no. the murderer had an oxygen mask on. Correct. So presumably the murderer is just waiting for the Sono Vapor to do its job and well, was in the, the process of moving... The only reason they all moving... woke up when they did, yeah. No, the, the, yeah. the, the, the Liberator crew must have teleported over while the murderer was moving yes. Dortmund's body into the life rocket. Therefore, the murderer must have heard the Liberator crew arriving or just been round the corner yeah. and suddenly heard talking. It's like, oh, crap, there's somebody here. Quick, into the storage room. That must be what happened then. Yeah, but that they could have. That would have been nice to actually have it because instead of Avon saying um, it was too difficult, it would have been nice if it had said... Uh, what they didn't plan on is us showing up. Mm. We interrupted them, so they had to find a different. That yeah, it's not. It's only a small change, but it would, it, it would make it seem a bit more believable, a bit cleverer. Yes, yes. Um, the the only thing I did put, I've, I'm just reading my notes, and I I shocked myself. Um, so I'd put down in this scene where they're all together. At least we know the murderer will be collared. <sighs> oh, that's. That's bad even that for me. That is very bad. That, that, that is terrible, Ian. Yes, oh, you, you should be ashamed. Yeah. You should be ashamed. Um, uh, Kendall uh, is sure the murderer will be found when they reach destiny, but yes. a, a man, I wrote his name down, Grovine. Who, who, oh, I, think, oh, I don't, remember, don't remember that name at all. Yeah, he, he's the he's the baldy Grovine. bloke. Um, he thinks there may be someone else on board that nobody knows about. That's another red herring put in yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. Which they do, don't do anything with. No. But I, I, I like that. I like that. You yeah. just... Oh, it's like, oh, he might be right. There is somebody yeah. else on board, you know. Um, and uh, the Liberator. We go back to the Liberator, and it looks like they're coming up on a meteor field. Yes. Detectors indicate a meteorite storm directly in Liberator's flight path. Scale intensity? Scale 9, intensity 27. 27? Eight's about the strongest we've had so far. My teeth are still rattling from that. An intensity of 27 is a lot of very fast rocks. Scale 9 puts the storm over a vast area, too. How much would it add to our flight time if we went round it? Estimated flight time of 84 hours would increase to 336 hours. Well, four times as long. Confirmed. Would the force wall hold if we went straight through the storm? It is within the maximum design tolerance. However, there would be no safety margin. Is there enough reserve power to maintain the wall? Insufficient data for accurate projection. In other words, he doesn't know. Confirmed. Let's go round. Yeah, well, uh, another Terry trope. Yes. <laughs> the, the way that they want to go, there's a meteorite storm. Yes. Its size is scale 9. Yep. Its intensity is 27. What, what what does intensity mean? Uh, I, I I presume they meant like density of meteors to how close space. they are to each other or something. But what, but why have you got a scale a scale that goes at least to twenty seven? <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe maybe it's 27 per square yeah, I don't yeah, know, could, 100 could miles be. or something I don't know but it's much higher than anything they've encountered before yeah um, going around it takes a journey time from 84 hours to 336. Which um, makes you wonder how bloody big this yeah, meteor this field is, is. This is scale nine. It's yeah, it is yeah. bloody big. Um, Blake wants to go through because he's Blake, of course. Yep. Um, Villa wants to go round, and um, so they're debating that. Callie, meanwhile, wants to know why Sondheim was following her to the storage room. Um, yeah, he, he comes over a bit rapey here. He, he does. He is creepy, and it's like, oh, I wanted to apologise because I, yeah. was, you know, Kurt with you earlier. Mm. I do love it. He get he's like he's coming to apologise, and he insults and gets angrier with her because of he wanted to apologise. It's like you haven't really understood people, have you? Sometimes <laughs> you, know, you will accept my apology. Yes, yes, as he, yeah. All right. Well, but. Avon thinks it's old Captain Kremen there, you know, or Mandarin yes. or whatever he is, with Sondheim next. And oh, yeah, there's, did you notice the amount of boom mic shots in this? Yes, thing, yes, in this flight deck scene. <laughs> Ooh. I, 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 I did groan though where um, yeah. uh, the line, the answer is here if only we could see it, as you see Callie sat right next to the flatbed yeah. scanner with the numbers on it. And he's like, you can yeah. see the bloody thing. <laughs> you almost expected like a Monty Python lit up illuminated arrow pointing at it. Yeah. Saying, plot yeah. point, plot yeah. point. Oh, something we didn't mention is old Captain Kremen. Earlier, yeah. Callie, when she was on the way to that storage room, she saw him oh, sat yes. on a yeah, bunk. She heard, yeah. And he was trying to open a box, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And, and then he goes away and she goes in. He hit it too hard. The box is already open. Did you see when she picked it up? It's clearly the lid's come off. Yeah, she puts it back on. And I thought, what? <laughs> at least do another take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, we've got him here. We've, we've got old yeah. um, Captain Kremen. He goes into a room, and there's someone there that we don't see, and he says, oh, I knew you would be here. But that's all we see, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, classic bit of uh, point of view. Yeah. The Super. Liberator is starting to go through the meteor shower. Um, yeah. Jenna's outfit, I, I did notice, it's a bit um, tight at this point. I, I must admit, I didn't notice. No, I, I don't. I, I don't think that. Perhaps that you need to I watch the episode. Yes, I think you do. I, I don't think there's space bras. Um, oh, uh, right. I, I, I see what you mean. I thought it was um, cold on the flight deck. Yes. Maybe, maybe she's just yeah. yeah yeah chilled at the thought yeah. of you know flying through this meteor shower. Uh, that's good bodily acting if that is the it truth. Is, yeah. Yes. 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 Back I do like the um, the sound effect for the meteor as well. It's very that's that's comforting as well. We've heard that sound effect so many yes. times of meteors clanging off the hull. Yes, like, that you oh, can hear things yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, the tin can liberator. Yes. Yeah. yeah. On the Ortega, there's been another kill killing. Captain Kremen is dead. So you know everybody. The, the, the person everybody thought was the main suspect is dead. Yeah. So that's again a classic Ag Agatha Christie in it. Around yeah. the third advert break, the yeah. main suspect <laughs> is found dead. Um, did you notice we get a, a nice little bit of uh, flappy arm running from Avon when he runs from the flight deck? No. Yeah. Oh, I have it, to go back. Yeah, home. it's like I. I thought. Oh, I like that. I like. It. I like a bit of flappy arm running from. We Avon. haven't had flappy arm running. No, for, for, for a long quite time. a while. Oh, I'm glad we didn't do a tally for that. Yeah. Oh no, no or did we? Uh, we started, I think, and then uh, we didn't get any more. We, we've I, not, we've I not had any remember. episodes where everyone's had to run. I think Killer was the, the last season time four, we saw Avon. He just Avon. stands around, doesn't he? Doesn't... Yeah, 
I think Killer was the last time we mentioned yeah. his flappy arm yeah, running. Could well be. All right, okay. Uh, Sarah is off to one side, sobbing into Kendall's arms. Uh, all the crew are there as well. Yeah. And uh, this Grovine guy says he saw <laughs> Sondheim standing over the body with a knife in his hands. Yeah. Mm. Bang to rights. Bang to rights, yeah. <coughs> Your cold's oh, still hanging on a bit, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's just the occasional cough. Um, I tried to cover the microphone now, so... Okay. See, right. I think I think of our listener. You do. <laughs> I don't want him getting, uh, getting ill. No. Um, interestingly, during the scene, Anne goes, oh, that's where I've seen uh, our, the character we're following before. She says he was the coroner on Midsummer. Sure enough, he was. No, so was he's, he? used, he's used to these murder mysteries. See, I don't watch that programme, yeah. so I don't know. Um, on the Liberator, they're getting low on power, and they can't have the force wall and the engine on at the same time. Oh, this is, again, classic Terry trope, isn't it? That it is. You can't, there's something that the ship needs, but the batteries are running down. Yes. <laughs> um, which, <clears throat> which immediately they, they realise they've got to go back through. No impact whatsoever. No. They're, they're more than halfway through this. They've, they've passed the point of no return. They're more than halfway through. Their force wall is giving out. There's no way they could go back. Ah, but they got Oso. There we go. Yeah. 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 It's, they, this, is, this is cheaply done, I think. It this is. is. It is. Cheap and it, writing. Yeah. And, and, and of course, it wouldn't work, would it? Blake no. decides to just go on at full speed. So you're going even faster towards these meteors yeah. without a force so, wall. So what was the point? What was the point of the force wall if yeah. he thought you could just plough your way through it anyway? Unless they're only about like three three feet from the end. Yeah, in which Villa case, doesn't know, does he? All stop, and they'll yeah. go past you at their speed. That they? is a good point as well. Yeah, yeah you're you're travelling towards them at high speed; they're yeah. coming towards you at high speed. Yeah, mm. just just stand still. Yeah, we go back to the Ortega, and we got Kendall again. Doesn't seem to understand what's going on. We've locked him in the storage hold. He seems quiet enough. Has he said anything more? Well, nothing new. He claims he went in and found Mandrian dead, picked up the knife. That's where I came in. He still says he didn't kill him. I believe him. But I saw him with a dagger in his hand. But you didn't see him use it. Well, I didn't see Mandrian die either, but I know he's dead. I've just spent the last ten minutes in the filter plant looking for something that should be there but isn't. The cable that was damaged carries a high energy charge. In order to cut it, you would need a laser knife or an insulated saw, neither of which were there. Then somebody else was the saboteur? Yes. Mandrian came in, discovered whoever it was, and had to be silenced. The murderer then went out, taking the saw with him. Sondheim's story is true. He just happened to be the one who discovered the body. Then who did kill Mandrin? The same person who killed Rafford and Dortmund. And I know who that is now. You know? Yes. I should have seen it right from the start, but my mind had conditioned itself to see the wrong thing. As Callie has been saying all along. You found the meaning? Yes. Just before he died, Rafford managed to scrawl this up. 54124. Precisely. What does it mean? Absolutely nothing. As a number, it has no significance at all. But when I was in the filter plant just now, I noticed one of the instruments. Liquid crystals show a number, and then the confirmation circuit translates those numbers into the written word. Right from the start, we thought that those were numbers. They are not. They are letters. Letters? Rafford was dying. It's difficult to be neat under those circumstances. Um, they've locked up Sondheim. But uh, Avon doesn't think he did it. 
No. Uh, the power cable in the room was cut, but there was no saw there. Yeah, and uh, some sort of laser saw they needed. Yes. Um, he also boldly then says he knows who did it. He's yeah, found out the say, meaning of the yeah. numbers. Yeah. Doesn't say immediately, though. He likes a bit of effect, doesn't he? Old? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sherlock Avon. Yeah. And I, I like the way... I like Paul Darrow's delivery here of everything. He's, you know, they they are not numbers; they are letters. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, he. It, this though, this is the problem I've got with this story. This next thing, this ridiculous scene where he writes out his yeah. number as a letter one by one. This is exactly what yeah. Peter Cushing did in Dracula AD 1972 yes, yeah. when he works out that uh, Alucard, jo- yeah. Johnny Alucard is Dracula written backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh, who are they aiming at this at this as? Like the twelve-year-olds in the audience, I think they've grasped it already. Yeah, it's, it's silly. Bit, it's, it's silly that nobody top. gets it until yeah. Avon has written out the very last <laughs> letter. You know, he could have oh. just held it up and said, "Look, it's not numbers. It says Sarah." You know, yes. he... <laughs> yeah, it's you. Look at this. Yeah, yeah. Um, they turn around and she's pulled out this curling tong gun. Well, I thought it looked like a sea devil gun to me, but then I checked, and it's it's not because I thought it was one from like that they used in Warriors of the Deep, but it's not. But it's so close. It is very yeah. close, isn't it? My question for it is where where was she keeping that? Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. <laughs> to be honest, it's not uh, it's not a gun that would be easy to conceal, is it? Uh, well, one part of it you could, yeah, the other if you think part about you it, yeah. if you're female, but um, oh dear. Um, she runs for you it. You mean you mean of course in your in your purse or handbag, don't you? That's what I meant. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. yes. <laughs> she runs for it and and locks herself in the flight deck. And yep. uh, and Kendall doesn't understand why she kept killing after Blake left with the neutrotope. What's in it for her? And um, Callie says she knows why. She sabotaged the ship to keep it in the same position. The box that she now brings out. Uh, is a homing device. Yeah, Someone is, is coming to get again, the goods. Yeah. Yeah, which is repaired. Someone is coming to get the goods. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the box on the Liberator fell to the floor during that meteorite thing. And when they pick it up, they realise it's empty. Uh, Blake says they have to go back. So presumably, you go back through the meteor shell, yeah. like you were saying. Which you've just now got. You've got no power, no shields, and you've got to go back the same length yes. no actually longer because you're now traveling with them yeah so you're going to be hit start be hit by ones that have already hit you yeah, yeah it, it's typical terry nation type plot device it but if no anything it, it, it makes even less sense because they must be going through this meteor shower at a faster speed than they, they were when they went through because it takes less time to yeah. get back to the Ortega than they, it took were, to them to get to this point. They were at three hours, weren't they? It'd take them three hours so far to get halfway. Yeah. And, and, and then yet they're, they're going to turn up in ten minutes. Then it's, they say it's 40 minutes to get back. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really work. No. Also, no. I love the fact that, once again, you've got the most valuable... Uh, item in the galaxy, and they just leave it on the edge of that coffee table again. <laughs> how many how many things have we seen fall off that coffee table? Yes, indeed, indeed, yes. I um, do like that Gan tries to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Gan. Um, yeah, Sarah, she's got the neutrotope and, and yep. is waiting on the flight deck. Uh, Avon's come up with a plan to get her out of there. Um, the Liberator's almost there, and we see there's a new ship. It's moving into dock with the Ortega. 
Um, yeah. Sarah, or Sarah, she hears gunfire outside and screams and goes outside to see the bodies of her crewmates on the floor. Um, Avon jumps her and she yeah. gets a sock to the jaw, which we actually see. I mean, usually, yeah. if yeah, there's any violence towards women, we cut away. We were saying mm. this about the Anna Grant uh, Yeah, uh, it's weird what we? they would and wouldn't show, isn't it? It's so, yeah. so fickle. Yeah, um, yeah, I yeah. do like the fact that Avon almost loses this fight, though. <laughs> Which is not, and I and I like that because because at this point in the store in Blake Seven, Avon isn't an alpha male fighter. He's not the action He's a very hero, clever, is he? Civilized man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he does. When he grabs her, she almost fights him yeah. off. <laughs> but he does. He, he he gives her a sock to the jaw, and um, he he says, "Yeah, you better get her out of here." I rather enjoyed that, you know, yeah. line from him. Um, Blake teleports over with a bunch of bunch of bracelets, and then wanders off to do something. Nobody says to him, "Where are you going, Blake?" Yeah. Uh, but he wanders off. Uh, then comes back. Uh, they teleport back to the Liberator, except Sarah, who takes her bracelet off. And uh, they're all on the Liberator flight deck there, deck there um, watching the screen. They're locked on. What was that? I rigged a charge on the entry hatch. Right, I think we can get you all home now. Then, for the course of destiny, speed standard by six. Confirm. Take us round the easy way this time. And and the ship's blown. Is this up. the most people we've seen on the flight deck? Do you think? Uh, it's very crowded. I thought well, it's a lovely scene because you've got so many people on it. Yeah, even when you've got you know um, in the volcano episode where you had you yeah. know some Federation troops, that was only like three, wasn't it? Yeah, and and like when <laughs> um, uh, in. Not aftermath, the one that followed it uh, with Michael Sheard. Even even then, I don't think. Yeah, that was, that was only many, about because there was only Avon and Dana as the, of the crew, wasn't there? So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. This is maybe the most yeah. crowded the uh, flight deck ever becomes. Yes. Uh, mm, I'd never really thought about that. Yeah. Um, the ships yeah. blow up, don't they? Um, because it turns out Blake went off to rig a charge to the entry hatch. Yeah, Blake's a murderer. Blake's a murderer. My big question on this story is, how does Blake know that they were bad guys? Yep. For all he knows, that that was a legitimate sale. Okay, Sarah is a bad guy. She's stolen this thing. But these might have been just peaceful, honest, decent people that were bought this Nutritope and were going to this ship to... to uh, they've all just massively assumed that these are bad guys and yeah. when they get there, they'll kill everybody. This these, this ship could be the space equivalent of an Uber, she's called. This could be a taxi <laughs> driver. This could be a rescue mission from um, their home planet. That yeah, it might be another planet that's got the fungus yeah. that needs the neutrotope. Thanks, Blake, or, or, you've just also, killed them all. Why, yeah, why, why does he think he's got the right to kill them all anyway? This is, this is Blake, Mr. Due Process law uh, honest man and this is so, this is this is the one bit of the story that i think this this feels like a tacked on ending it feels so childish that it's like oh i set a bomb and killed them all mm. it it's, it's how when you were writing stories as 10 or 10 or 12 year olds you would often end your stories like this because you yeah. couldn't think of anything else to do yeah and this this strikes me as this it's like i i 
either this is a pure termination ending, which it does feel like, or this wasn't in the script and this was added in a where they said, "Oh well, we can't just let them get away with it." Mm. But my question is, um, why did Blake do that? Because they've got the neutrotope; they're all safely back on the yeah. Liberator. Why not just leave Sarah? Yeah, leave them to for it. these people. Yeah. You know, you know. Just I mean, if, if they were bad guys, presumably they will kill Sarah because they've gone all that way for yeah. nothing. You know, and she 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 has a, a, a got her punishment there. You know? yeah, it's interesting that they didn't I mean later on they would have done but I think because we're still quite early that they didn't have that ship coming to be a federation ship mm. yeah I you like know, it, I, it was, I, yeah I know I prefer it this way but that at least that would fit in with Blake could have they said we blew it up why did you do that well check the ship and Callie or someone says it was a federation ship yeah. at least you that justifies it but in this you come away thinking Blake you're a complete and a murderer <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is, but uh, that's it. That's the s- story over. Yep. Um, so, um, a, a very fun story. I like this story. I really um, enjoyed it. Yeah, it. Um, it's what you're right. It's one of those where in a month's time you you say Mission to Destiny, and I'll go, which one was that? <laughs> because yeah, it's, that's a good. It's thing. a very lightweight story, but it's it, it is really it is a nice little palate cleanser between heavier stories. And it does flesh out the. I mean, Avon and Callie are brilliant in this. Yeah. Um, the guest cast are really good. Uh, the story's good. It's yeah, I like it. I think it's a. a, a I'd rather watch this any number of times than Sand mm. once. <laughs> yeah, but I tell you what, as well. I mean, the, the, what I like about this story is you're right. It's almost instantly forgettable. But that means mm. the next time you watch it. It's like yeah. rediscovering it again for the first time. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten go, this bit. Yeah. I'd forgotten this. Forgotten this. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to behind the scenes. And not an awful lot. Uh, apparently, this was Uncle Terry's favourite uh, story from season one. Oh. It's probably because he had to put the least amount of effort into it because he already had it written. Uh, that's exactly what I was yeah. about to say. It's a rehash, and he got a lot yeah. of money for doing very little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kendall there. Uh, Kendall, played by the actor Barry Jackson. Yes. Um, very good actor. I like him. I do he like is. Him. He, he's very... Uh, Sincere in this yes, role, he's isn't believable. He? He's one of those actors that's very believable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like him a lot in this. Yeah, um, he began working, uh, began his career as a stagehand at the Birmingham Rep. Okay, and uh, after that, and before he became an actual actor, he worked as a fight director and oh. stuntman in the early 1960s under the name Jack Barry. That was his mm-hmm. name in in the early 60s. All right. Um, as an actor in the genre field, he's got quite a respectable um, uh, count. Eleven. Oh, that is. That's okay. pretty good. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, he started off in 1961 in uh, Ava Andromeda. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the first of his Doctor Who appearances was in The Romans, okay, where he played a character uh, he, called... He was oh, the... Do you yeah. know the name? He called what? So he, he broke up there a little bit. Do you, do you know his name? I, I'm I, I should to... ask you this yeah. every time yeah. when there's a Doctor Who thing. Who did they play in who? Was he the... I'm, I'm thinking, and I can't... <coughs> he's very similar to the character in uh, Carry On Clear. Was he the slave trader guy? Oh, so long since I've seen the Romans. I don't know. I, no. I've never seen the Romans. It's good, uh, good, story, good story. Right, right. I, I'll tell you the name. Yeah. I don't know if this will uh, ring a bell for you. Ascaris... No, doesn't matter. No? All right. The next genre thing 
He was in was Doctor Who again in Galaxy Four. Uh, do you know who he played in Galaxy Four? Uh, I don't know. <coughs> what, did he play a real or something? No, no. no. <coughs> if he played Sorry. a real, it's a very uh, um, you know uh, very earthbound name for a yeah. real. Uh, Jeff Garvey. No. I went in Galaxy Four. Yeah. According to IMDb, yes, he was in Galaxy 4. He played Jeff Garvey. I'm trying to think, because the whole point of Galaxy 4 is that it's um, it's a race of woman, woman space characters up against these mutant frog-like creatures. Garvey, I think, is from <laughs> Mission to the Unknown, which is, the, it's uh, I think it's a different story. Oh, I'll have to look into that then. Yeah. Let, me, uh, let me uh, Google this. Um... Let's have a look. Uh, this is exciting podcasting, it is. isn't this it? Is, listening this is, to somebody Googling. someone type. <laughs> um, what, uh, what was his name? Uh, Jeff Garvey. Jeff, no. Oh, oh what, what, the actor? Yeah. Barry Jackson. Jeff Garvey. <coughs> Sorry, I'm uh, coughing again. Ian's microphone audio is very loud and may be clipping. Yep, uh, yep that's Mission to the Unknown. Oh, all right, all right, change So, that. good old internet movie database. Yes, Mission to the Unknown, okay. Oh, th thanks for that uh, clarity. Uh, all right, next thing he did after that, are you still there? Yes, yes. All right, sorry. Uh, was Adam Adamant, okay, oh, right, yep. in 1966. Again, never seen it. No, no. Uh, next was Doom in 1972. Oh, like <laughs> then, a show I've never heard of uh, called The Frighteners. I know the Peter Jackson film. Yeah, I know the Peter Jackson film. Yeah. But it was a horror anthology show from oh, 1972. Probably never repeated and never released. Or, or wiped. Most probably yeah, wiped. Yeah, it could be yeah. um, then it was uh, The New Avengers. Okay. Right. Uh, then The Glitter Ball from 1977. Do you remember The Glitter Ball? Is that a children's film foundation? Yes, about an alien who was like yes. a silver ball. Do you yeah, I remember that. I remember. Was it? Was, I think it's someone like Melvin Hayes or someone like that was in it as well. Um, yeah, that was a sort of Saturday morning That's film right. they would always yeah. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then it was here in Blake Seven. Then immediately afterwards, uh, a very, um, a, a very memorable role in Doctor Who's The Armageddon Factor. Right. Yeah. Drax the Time Lord. Yeah, he's the brilliant. Cockney wide boy Time Lord. <laughs> he, he, he's Del Boy. He's a Del Boy Time Lord in that, I, isn't he? I remember um, in uh, the Celestial Toy Room, you know, the Doctor Who Appreciation Society magazine, they were forever slagging this story off because of Drax, and they were sort of saying, how can a Time Lord be Cockney and all this sort of thing? It makes you wonder what they make of uh, New Doctor Who, but. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I think he's brilliant in it. I think he's, no, he, he's the best thing in he's that He's the best thing story. in that story. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. And then the last genre thing he was in was um, Into the Labyrinth. Uh, oh, yeah, the, I remember. The, I remember the show that Mark so, yeah. uh, gave us the heads up on that was, yeah. I think it was Network, uh, was selling very cheap. I did get it. Um, I have been watching it, but very, very, very occasionally. It, 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 it's, it's well done, and you know Ron Moody's very good in it, and Pamela yeah. Salam is very good in it. But it, 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 it is definitely a children's show. Yeah, I know. think that's the trouble with a lot of these. Like um, someone recommended Time Slip to me, and I watched mm. it, and it was it's okay. But it's, I mean, I know people say, oh, Doctor Who was originally a children's show, but it's in a different league to a lot of these contemporaries. Yes, where it was, it was really, really. 
aimed at kids, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, Doctor Who, you know, Blake Seven, you know, many, many shows. Yeah, children can watch it, but you can also appreciate it as an adult, whereas some shows are made for children. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah, and that's it, yeah. So, yeah, uh, genre tally of 11, which gives him a who tally of 3, which is quite that's, high. That's quite high, yeah. That's quite high. high, yes, yeah. So that's uh, the tallies. Um, but but we were talking just before we started recording, we're actually going to start a new tally today. We haven't yeah. had a new tally yeah. for quite a while. And this is going to be a, a retroactive tally. So I've got to go back <laughs> when, when when this is announced. Uh, yeah. when, sorry, when this story, uh, episode is released. Um and do a Facebook tally. Um, and this tally is going to be called "Was it worth it?" Okay, and this is a tally where we decide: yeah. Was it actually worth them having this adventure? Was it yeah. worth them getting up in the morning? Was it worth them leaving Zenon Base? Was it worth them changing course? So, yeah, would they um, have been better off just spending a day watching tally? Did they achieve anything yeah. in this one? Uh, was it worth it? So, I think we can say resoundingly yes. Yes, with yep. this story, it was actually worth them intercepting the Ortega and uh, and helping them out. Yes, so they their 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 impact on other people's lives was to benefit them, even though some people died. Mm. Um, and they, uh, you know, they they didn't come out in a negative way. They no. didn't lose anything. I'm sure on on Sorry. the planet yeah. Destiny, you know, they are still hailed as heroes. Maybe there are statues to them in the town squares of you know Blake and Avon and Callie. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, was it worth it? Yes. Um, as I Definitely. say, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on Facebook, and we're gonna have you know a little tally folder uh, with all the yeses and all the noes. And from what we were saying before we recorded today, I think the noes will have it. <laughs> yeah, especially in season the four. Yeah. <laughs> was season four worth it? Nah. nah. <laughs> all right. So. That's it for today. Yeah, um, a good episode. Yeah, I've, I've if you enjoyed seen it. Come watch it. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, we've been recording for an hour and fourteen minutes, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it because it's a thoroughly enjoyable story. Last week, yeah. when we were talking about sand, you know, my brain was turning to sand. You know, <laughs> um, uh, what a difference a week makes. I know it really is. It's um, we always say we said this time and time again. It's like it's almost culture shock when you we 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 pass that. Episode, series four back into season one and you're just reminded of of what a great series blake seven is and sometimes we when we get onto season four especially um when we've discussed the sand i i think i hope people don't think we don't like this show because it's we're coming across as quite negative and then we hit season one it's like nah they'll know we love it yeah 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 absolutely yeah all right well put there Ian. all right mm. all right well thank you uh to our listener listening yes, out well there done. Yeah, next time, of course, we're going to go to season two. And as I said at the top of the show here, um, next week's story is very much like this one. Is one that I can I only have vague memories of. I, I remember it being um, quite dull. But if you ask me to name the plot, I have no idea. Other than Horizon, the newsletter was named after it for some yeah. reason. All I remember is there are caves uh, yeah. and Blake and Villa get their tops off. Oh, um, it's that one, isn't it? It's the one, yeah. One for the ladies. One yeah. for the ladies. <laughs> That's the subtitle yeah. for, uh, for, for for next week's episode. Yes, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking Horizon, and we're looking at Commissar from yeah. there. Okay, all right. So thank you, listener. Thank you, Ian. No problem. Thanks for having me again. And, uh, yeah, speak to you next week. Thanks, Ian. Bye. Cheers, Ian. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.